we live our life based on what is what's in front of us, right? Based on our circumstances, we we can only have this if we do this, right? It's all circumstance based. Living a vision driven life is a moving toward what you want rather than pushing away from what you don't. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Before we get started, I would like to share with you this review from a listener named Matching Towels on the Apple Podcast platform. It's entitled Revisiting My Late 30s ADHD Diagnosis and Finally Hearing Supportive Voices. I was diagnosed with ADHD 15 plus years ago. I had my aha moments back then, but I didn't feel the support. Oh, that's so overdiagnosed and made it feel like I was using a crutch. I just went back to feeling like a bad mother and depressed, horrid at schedules and routines. Thanks to this podcast, I am feeling reinvigorated and excited that now there is support and understanding. Thank you, Katie. Wow, thank you for this review. Also, it is fascinating to me that a diagnosis more than 15 years ago still received the kind of criticism we're getting today about how it's an excuse, it's a crutch, it's overdiagnosed. It makes me so angry to think about how much work still needs to be done in terms of advocacy and information and social acceptance and everything else we talk about endlessly on this little podcast. Anyway, enough of me ranting. I am so glad these conversations have been a positive voice of support in your journey. Thank you for listening and for taking the time to write this review. It really means the world to me and it helps other women find these interviews and hopefully realize they're not alone. They're not lazy, stupid, or broken, but they have ADHD. Also, if you are a woman or an adult who is socialized as a girl and you have ADHD and you're looking for coaching support and connection and friendship while also developing a greater understanding of who you are and how to best work with your ADHD brain, we still have a few spots open for the next round of small group coaching. I've got two sessions starting in a few weeks and we would love to have you join us. Head to womenandadhd.com slash group coaching to find out more and to register. And of course, you will find that link in the show notes. Okay, here we are at episode 120, in which I interview Tracy Nolan Bierman. Tracy is a certified life mastery consultant and host of the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. She has combined her experience with decades of yoga, meditation, and mind-body work with life transformation coaching and her own experiment with life as an ADHD mom. Tracy helps moms with ADHD declutter their minds and forge an empowered path forward even if they have a million other things in their brilliant, unique minds. Tracy and I talk all about shiny object syndrome and what it means to live a vision-driven life, moving toward what you want rather than pushing away from what you don't want. We also talk about brain dumps and how to shift from overwhelmed to overflowing. I was also recently a guest on Tracy's podcast, so if you're looking for more of us in conversation after this episode, I've put a link to her podcast episode in these show notes. All right, enjoy. Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Katie, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Just for some background, I'll have a link in my show notes to the interview that Tracy did with me for her podcast. But Tracy and I were both in the ADHD summit in 2022. And that's how I guess we kind of reached out to each other. You reached out to me, we and I had such a wonderful conversation with you on your podcast. And I'm so excited to be able to speak again and hear your story for this podcast. So yeah, why don't we get started? I guess I'd love to hear about when you were first diagnosed with ADHD. How old were you? What was going on in your family at the time? And what were some of those those aha moments for you where you were like, oh, I, I really should get this checked out? Yes, absolutely. And in ADHD style, it's kind of a roundabout journey. <laughs> I know, right? You're always like, where do I begin? There is no real straight line. 
But I guess I'll start from the beginning-ish <laughs> to today. About 20 years ago, my mother was diagnosed with ADHD. And of course, they put her on Ritalin, which worked for moments for her. But her doctor said, your kids will more than likely have it. And my mother, I love my mother dearly. She's a big, you know, like genetics is her thing. Like if I have it, you're going to have it. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I'm all good, mom. I don't need that. I don't, I don't need that. And I'm, I'm doing just fine, but not really because before, before she, she shared that with me, I had been an emotional roller coaster and I had some trauma from my childhood and, and, um, and just these gigantic emotions. And I had actually been diagnosed with clinical depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. Now, the depression and the anxiety, yes, I could see the bipolar just didn't really, you know, as I would look through the symptoms and I, like, I just don't feel like that's it. Now, after probably 20 medications to address the depression and anxiety and the bipolar, nothing worked and I was spent, you know, I, I don't, it was maybe a full year of trying medication after medication. And then my mother says, well, you know what? you probably have ADHD. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that explains the focus part because I am, like I said, I'm kind of, you know, tell the story in a roundabout way. And that's kind of been my life. So around that time, I met a friend who was a psychologist and he kind of took me in the back door of his office and, and, and did a, um, and he had ADHD, his partner had ADHD. And I'm like, well, you know, can, can you just check it out? And, and he was like, oh, honey, you failed miserably. Of course you have ADHD. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, great. And then that was it. I kind of just left it. And that was about 20 years ago. Had my son, and that was a traumatic birth and very different from what I had expected. And then had his, um, his sister 17 months later, and in that, when I had, I think my son, my oldest was three, I just had a breakdown. Like I just couldn't take any more, pull my life apart, didn't know what to do, you know, but I was like, something has to change. Of course it was me. I'm the one that had to change. So I guess I'll fast forward now <laughs> to the pandemic and virtual sixth grade for my youngest and getting her diagnosed and then really doing, you know, when my kids need something, I re I'm, I'm all in, right? I'm all in. We're going to figure this out. That's what I did with my son and then realized, uh oh, pointing the finger back at me. I did a lot of work back then. But then this time it was different because I started researching what it looks like in girls and women. And oh my gosh, Katie, when I started getting in these communities of women with ADHD, I felt like I was at home, like a huge sigh of relief. I'm not alone because like many of us, we feel like we are just this lone ranger, like the square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Always felt like I was on the outskirts, you know, always, always feeling like the outlander in my life. Or my, I mean, still, I, I still kind of feel like that, like I'm just different than other people. But it's so helpful to know that there are people like you who are sharing all of these stories in these communities that we can dive into and learn that, oh my gosh, it's because of this ADHD, it's because my brain is wired differently. And that's kind of the roundabout. There's so many more things in there, but that's kind of that's kind of the the straightest line I can give you. <laughs> um, yeah, right. I feel like I've talked about the fact that I, it had dawned on me that I probably had ADHD, but didn't really do much with that information. It sounds like we had a similar experience where I was like, yeah, I probably, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I have it. Who knows? And then there was a moment after the pandemic where, yeah, like you, like I really started doing a deep dive and then it just blah, like hit so deeply in terms of how much this has truly affected so many aspects of my life. And, and you were saying that the diagnosis, I'm curious about the diagnosis of bipolar, because that was something that I've talked about on the podcast, I often thought I had, because of that pendulum, 
between manic energy and lethargy, right? Like just literally not being able to get myself off the couch and seeing that now through this lens of ADHD. Is that what was going on with you or kind of what was, what do you think led to that diagnosis? Yeah, apparently bipolar has, no, I'm not a clinician or anything, but apparently there are different, different types of bipolar. And what I was diagnosed with was cyclothymia, cyclothymia, I think. I never really had those super high highs. I had the lows, but I tended to stay low. And so cyclothymia, I believe, is where you you are you're you're less than contented. You're less than content. And that was me. Most of my life is feeling less than content and then dipping. So I didn't really do get do the highs, but I did dip. Actually, there was about there was about a decade where I just I was below content for most of a decade where I just couldn't get myself out. Um, there was a lot going on too, but it was the emotional piece is the piece that I didn't understand about ADHD. If I had known this back then, I would have taken a different path, right? But that was huge to me that that was, a you know, the, the, when we think of ADHD and for most of us, when we're diagnosed with ADHD, oh, it's, it's about focus. Oh, well, just put, get, get on some Ritalin or something and that'll help you focus. I was like, you know what? I'm managing okay. I've got my OCD <laughs> to keep me under control here. So I kind of swept it under the rug is what I did. So yeah, I didn't, I never had the real high highs and the real low lows, but I had the kind of midway to low. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like that says so much about my story too. And, and many of us, right? Which is that feeling of like, what's wrong with me that I insist on being so depressed? Like, right. <laughs> right. Like I often felt like, why have I had this pattern of depression throughout my whole life when like, I, like I had a lot going for me, you know, and I could recognize that objectively. I had a lovely family and a, fa- and a husband and children. And like, I could never quite understand my insistence on being depressed. And it kind of reminds me what you're talking about with this idea of like the attention issues and the organizational issues or some of the focus issues that we tend to associate with ADHD and instead of the emotional part. And I think many of us have this experience where it's just like, well, if I have organizational issues, then I just need to like write a to-do list and I just need to focus and I just need to like apply myself and all of those things we've heard our whole lives. And then if I can't do it, it means I, well, I must not want to, right? I'm, I'm lazy. And then so much of it comes down to that self-talk. Right, right. Yeah. The what's wrong with me that I can't organize myself enough to go, go to the grocery store. <laughs> okay. I'll find ways around it. <laughs> mm, yeah, right. And and I think, you know, it's so hard to articulate for so many of us, like where that feeling of brokenness comes from. Because it's not one, it's not just something that happens overnight. It's it's happening over the course of our whole lives of just always feeling like if I, you know, why can't I just do it? Why can't I do the thing? Why can't I? Right. Why can't I? That's a, that's a horrible question for us to ask ourselves. Yeah. And Katie, I, I absolutely loved our conversation and learning more about you and your story reminds me a lot of me. <laughs> The things I hear well and through listening to your podcast and everything, like I, you, you tell parts of your story. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> me too, me too, me too. Um, I know, right? On paper, I feel like we have a, a lot of similarities that I want to delve into. Uh, now, but I feel like your mother being diagnosed 20 years ago is kind of very rare. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible, um, right? I always feel it like is. women who were diagnosed. Um, that long ago are kind of unicorns. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, they gave her Ritalin and it worked for little bits when she needed to get her taxes done or different things like that. But what we now understand is we need much more. I mean, if medication works, fantastic, right? But it, medication is not the only thing, right? That we need, we need a therapist and or a coach. We need, we need skills, and the medication if it if it works for us. So back then we didn't know better. We didn't we didn't know all that we know right now, but she could have been better supported and and understood. You know, again, it was the the focus. Oh, you have ADHD, you can't focus. But there the executive functioning skills are not just focus. I'll say over and over again because my mother was prone to the depression too. But the uh, the managing emotions. Oh my goodness. 
That was a huge one. Right. And I also feel like, you know, it amazes me that the narrative, especially from medical providers, still seems to be you're diagnosed with ADHD. Here's your prescription. Good luck to you. Like, that's it. There's no education piece. My son, and I, I love my doctor to death, but that was my experience was, you know, here's your prescription. Good luck. And really that, you know, perpetuating this, this idea that this medication is going to solve everything. And then you think about like, if we're chronically depressed people for the most part, and then we put all of our faith in this medication and it's sort of helpful, but you know, they the placebo wears off and, you know, then we're left, like you said, with not a lot of skills in terms of how to really, really manage ADHD and our self-concept. I think that's so important. Right. And, you know, as I began really diving into what ADHD looks like in women and girls, and here's the thing, I had Sari Soldan's book. I I had a stack of ADHD books on my bookshelf that I never touched. They were like, just, I don't know, I'm not going to get rid of them just yet, but I've had it. They've been on my shelf for 20 years. But one of the other things that I learned is that socially, I've always struggled socially, I just, I've always felt like a square peg and I've lost a lot of friends as well. I would love to be the kind of person, the kind of friends, like I kind of, kind of watch these women who spend all their time together and they talk every day and they, you know, and they know the ins and outs of every part of, of each other's lives. And he just, I've never been able to do that. I've just, you know, I, I, I believe that's focus, but socially, socially, just feel a little socially awkward. Yeah, yeah I, feel, um, I agree. And I feel like there's many of us who do feel that way. And I don't know if it just comes down to social cues or whatever. Like, I, I don't know if it's really easy to pinpoint what that is. If it's, you know, we talk about like, oh, I'm terrible at texting. So it's, it's uh, object permanence. But I think there is, there is a lot to it. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like for me, part of my post-diagnosis journey has been really kind of radically accepting. Thank you, Sari Solden, for that. <laughs> uh, but radically accept. Yes. Oh, my God. What a beautiful book. Oh, my goodness. That we're Yeah, we're talking about the work by Sari Solden, Michelle Frank, which is really about how to radically accept the good and the bad of ADHD and reframe some of that bad. And one of the things that I've had to reframe is how I socially relate to people and how there is a part of, there is a grief there, like you said, that I don't have a lot of the the huge network and I don't have these long-term wonderful friendships. And this is a time of year, you know, Christmas cards where I'm like, I don't send any, I don't get any, <laughs> you know, and, and those moments of like FOMO, I guess. But I also kind of feel like what I really need is my very, very close family, right? And, and my partner and my children. And that for me is enough at the end of the day. I don't know. It's hard. It is hard. And I just wanted to acknowledge that because I definitely yes. feel like there are so many of us who, who share that. It's, I don't know. I feel like it's FOMO, right? I feel like maybe we should have a whole lot. I feel like I really want to explore where that comes from. Anyway, I, <laughs> I, I want to find out from you kind of, looking over your life, what were some of the things that you look back and think, oh, goodness, the signs were there all along. But then I also don't want to forget to ask you, like, what are some of the books or resources that did finally really influence you in terms of your ADHD? So when I look back, definitely the friendships. So this is interesting. I had a friend many, many years ago call me a chameleon. And that I, she's like an issue. It wasn't, it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> it was a, you like that I, um, that I get into social situations and I can, I'm able to feel energy, right? I'm able to feel what's going on in a room and then I adjust or I accommodate. And so for her, it was like, you're being fake. And I'm like, I'm not being fake. I'm like, I'm in this situation. I'm feeling what's needed. That little bit stuck in my head for decades that, oh, I'm a chameleon. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I, why am I chameleon? Why am I chameleon? <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not awesome. Um, but the friendships, the friendships piece definitely throughout my entire life. I had to struggle really hard in school, right? I mean, I wasn't failing, but especially in college, college was, college was tough. 
the way that I studied, I think about it now, <laughs> that's really, if anybody really knew what I had to do to, to bring in all of that information and to actually, you know, be smack dab in the middle of my class. You know, needing to go, uh, you know, where other people could go to the library and they could study with all the noise going on. I had to go into this darkest hidey hole in the dorm to, um, so I could be by myself and just gather all of my bits and just like, I would pretty much write a book for each, um, every time I had a test, a book of everything. Cause, you know, the, 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 uh, getting it through my hand from my brain through my hand, but just looking back on, how difficult it was to just be a C student, to just be a C student. And I remember one time I had a, um, I don't know why, I don't know why it happened this way, but I had a, um, a professor give a test that was, uh, he just asked us questions and we could ask us questions and we answered and we were graded that way. And I thought, oh my gosh, if every teacher could just ask me questions in this way and they, and then I could tell them what I know. They would know that I knew my stuff, right? But the, uh, you know, multiple choice and then the essays, that was challenging. And the, the emotions, you know, I've always been a crier. I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad, cry when I'm angry. Um, and all of the, all of the emotions and it, it's kind of, um, now I don't care. My, my kids see me crying and breathing. <laughs> Like, oh, mom's breathing again, um, crying or laughing or, you know, expressing my big emotions now in a, in a healthy way. I learned how to do it in a healthy way. But I guess those, those are the, uh, the, the, the socializing, the, um, the schoolwork and the, and the emotions that that's, that's, those are the biggest ones when I look back. So it makes sense to me now. When I think back on me learning about my ADHD at 20, that when we really just saw it as a focus issue, that, yeah, it's not really, it's not a thing for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my experience, I don't know if this was your experience, but I just thought everybody had that issue, right? Like I didn't realize that that wasn't how everybody experienced the world. And I would have these glimpses. Like I remember when my daughter was a baby and, you know, one of my, uh, one of my husband's aunts was asking me how it was going. And she was probably like six or eight months. Um, and I remember like being, you know, kind of laughing and being like, oh, it's really hard. <laughs> and, and her response was, huh, that's funny. I didn't really find it that hard. And I was like, what? Like, you know, because, you know, the, those moments of realizing those, I, I would get those glimpses that I was experiencing something very different from other people. But for the most part, I think we assume that studying is super hard for everybody else. And, and, you know, it's, those are those, those are those things that are really hard to tell, like, how much am I struggling right now in comparison to other people, right? Like, I use that example of the headache, where I'm like, sometimes when my husband complains about a headache, I'm like, could we switch bodies and I can find out if you actually have a headache or if you're just complaining, right? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. Can we just switch bodies for a moment? Well, and what you said about, about, um, about when your, when your oldest was six months old, that was I think that was one of the most difficult parts of my entire life is the having a baby and having the, and, and I know myself and I am a highly sensitive person. In addition to having the ADHD, I also have some sensory issues that I've learned when my son was diagnosed with sensory issues, but having all that needs to happen to keep your kids alive just feels like it felt like a lot, like how I'm looking at around at all these other people. Now I did have two kids who were um, neurodivergent, right? So that that's another layer, but just my staying on top of, of uh, feedings and uh, all the things, it was, it was tough. 
Yeah, no, I hear you. And your kids are much closer in age than mine are. I feel like I don't, I, I, I had to, you know, my kids are four and a half years apart and I don't know how I could have done it if they were closer together. And I always want to give those moms a hug who have kids who are close in age, you know, in those years. Cause yeah, it's, it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, so far I, I have a teenager now, so I don't know the jury's out. <laughs> The, uh, the the infant toddler stage and the adolescent stage. Woo-wee! <laughs> it's interesting. It's a different kind of hard. You know, it's more of a mental hard. And where the we're having infants and toddlers is more felt more physical hard. Um Yeah, yes, exactly. Like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> There'll be no resting here. <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, it's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. So I want to get back to my question about like, what were some of those resources that really helped you when you were first doing research and deep diving? And do you remember, like, for me, it was the Sari Solden book, uh, first of all, the book on women and, and attention deficit disorder, which she wrote in the 90s, that was such that really, really changed it all for me in terms of like, what are we actually talking about when we're talking about ADHD? Right. You know, um, Katie, those are, I'm looking over at my bookshelf, but those are, those are the two that stand out for me. She's a beautiful soul. And I just, and I'm a very spiritual person. It's kind of the, that my ADHD has taken me down the spiritual 
root, the mind, body, soul root. And I, I love the way that she brings spirituality in, in a way that is not woo woo. Those two books are the ones I've tried to read some of the others. I do listen. I do, uh, do audio books. I use audible a lot when I'm in the car, you know, um, you know, what helped too is, um, is uh, Debbie Reber's book, Differently Wired. And it's not necessarily about ADHD, but it's a, it was about, um, and she doesn't have, and it's not about women with ADHD, but it is about how, about seeing your kids, about helping your kids who are neurodivergent. But the Sari Solden, especially that radical, the last one with Michelle, Michelle Frank, I think that was it. I love that. I listened to that several times. I like to listen. I like to buy the book and get the audible, and so that I can make notes. I can listen, and then I can go back and reference. You know? Yeah, I've done that with um, with Russell Barkley's book too, where I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to need this, and I'm going to need this in multiple forms. Um, taking charge of adult ADHD, taking right, taking charge of adult ADHD is the one I think I taking read. Taking charge. He's, he's written many, but yeah. Um, yeah, so let's get to the spirituality aspect. I want to. I'm curious. Your podcast is called a vision driven mom, and uh, what what is a vision driven life? Well, right around the time that my son turned three, right around the time when I pulled my life apart and didn't know what else, didn't know what to do. I had everything. It's kind of like you're cleaning out the closet and you take everything out of the closet and it, you can't put it back in again right? It, it won't. There are things that will not go back in the closet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could put all of this back in the closet. You know, my marriage, my all of my relationships, my home, like everything. But right around that time, I had been looking to become a coach. I knew that I wanted to be a coach, um, a life coach. And then I, I knew that I wanted to help work with moms. And I'd been on the yoga mat at this point, 30, 30 years, I started in 1992. So I've been on the yoga mat for decades, yoga, meditation, healing, um, energetic healing, and those kinds of things. But I still, I felt great on the yoga mat. But then once I would roll up the mat, I'd be right back in my head and right back into, um, into, life, my, which seemed to be up in my head. Right. So right around the time when I had everything pulled out of the closet and I, I really was on my knees, like praying, like I need help. I do not know what to do next. Right around that time I met my coach and she introduced me to this work. As soon as I started working with her, I knew that that's what I, that was it. And it was, she taught how to live from, uh, based on into with intention, like based on a vision rather than, you know, we tend to as a society and our, our parents teach us this way too. We live our life based on what is what's in front of us, right? Based on our circumstances. We, we can only have this if we do this, right? It's all circumstance based. Living a vision driven life is a moving toward what you want rather than pushing away from what you don't completely different way of living life. It, it just worked for my ADHD mind. And, and here's why. So in, 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 this is interesting too. So I, I became a coach and then I've been, I've been, been a coach for, for six, since 2016. Um, and in the beginning I was, um, I was speaking to moms, like all moms. And then I realized that, you know what, I'm not speaking to all moms because they have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> So I made the shift and and started speaking to moms with ADHD and I'm getting the 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 head nods, right? Oh yeah, like okay. That's because not everybody knows what the heck's going on in my brain. But so living a vision driven life is deciding ahead of time what you want, deciding what your what your absolute yes is, deciding what your absolute no is too. Because when we know our no's, we can create solutions to our challenges, if that makes sense. And then we can turn it around. So we're moving towards something rather than moving away. And for ADHD, it's brilliant because it's, um, because it's interesting and it's important. So you're focusing on, cause you're deciding, right? What's interesting and what's important to me. This is what I'm focusing on. And this is what works for our ADHD minds, right? What's interesting and important. 
It's a very different way, powerful way, and I will never go back. I dip here and there, but I will never go back to the old way. That doesn't work for me. But moving forward and being excited about something, and I was thinking about um, how I've been able to, because you and I started our podcast right around the same th- same time, about how I've been able to stay consistent with this podcast because it's important and it's interesting. That's why, right? There's no magic there. I mean, I guess we could call it magic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it's really interesting. I've never put it that way in terms of the mix of the interesting and important. I, I feel like I've talked around that, but I really love how you've paired those two together because I think that is really key in terms of, you know, so many of us feel... Um, you know, like, like we play whack-a-mole with our interests. Right. And, and so, um, when it comes to like, how do I, you know, and then feeling like at the end of the day, we've done nothing because we abandon the important things for the interesting things. And in the moment, the interesting thing feels like, absolutely, this is where I want to go. Right. Like I, you know, one of the things I think I struggle with a lot is just like, I have a hard time everything feels like a hell yes, right? Like I remember hearing that that advice once where it was like, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no when it comes to business decisions. But like in the moment, I get so excited and I just feel so urgent and, you know, I can't not do things because everything feels like a hell yes. And so, and then, you you know, and then I abandoned the thing that I was working on for the new bright and shiny object. And I feel like, you know, that's something that I've had to really work on, which is, you know, coming up with, like a theme, uh, in terms of like my year, right. Where I'm like, okay, this theme is the podcast. And so if I want to chase a new shiny object, it has to somehow enhance or relate to the, the theme of the podcast. Right. And so that's what it is. It's marrying the interesting and the important. And if I can't get my, if I can't figure out how this helps with the overarching theme, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to chase it. And and so that has been really helpful for me, but I've never really been able to articulate. I love that. Yeah. I do that every year because new year's resolutions never worked for me. And thankfully I had a business coach who really was talking me through this idea of like, of, of identifying what is, what are the important things? And then when you are chasing something new and interesting, how can you how can you like, how can all roads lead back to the important things, if that makes sense, right? But it's really, you know, but with an interest driven nervous system, like that is really important to be able to kind of um, uh, have that ability to hold, I guess, what am I even trying to, I lost my thought. I think I'm trying to say like, it's important to understand what the important things are, so that when we uh, don't want to do them anymore. <laughs> we can figure out how to make them interesting and then also not chase things that are interesting if they're not somehow related to the important thing. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that I, um, that I learned, I learned this from a business coach years ago, but um, is that I have what I call a green room. So I use a Trello board that's like a project manage. It's like my whole entire life is in this. Pro- it's a project management tool for business, but I keep everything in there. I keep uh, my entire life. And I have a um, what's called a, um, a list of, and I call it, call it the green room. Okay. So anything like writing a book, like I know that I have at least several books in me, but last year was not the year for the book. This year is not the year for the book. But I have a, a, a list where I can put all of my thoughts and ideas so they're safe. So they don't have to keep coming back in my mind like, oh, what about that book? Oh, what about that retreat? Oh, what about the YouTube channel that you've been wanting to start, right? It, it's all in my green room. So it's it's safe, if that makes sense. So I don't have to spin around in my mind about it. And that has been super helpful. And I do this with my with my family too, with my family life and different aspects of life. I love that you call it safe because that's such an ADHD concept, right? <laughs> Just like, right? I'm like, oh God, I can't lose it. No, don't lose it. <laughs> I know. Um, I talk about that too with parking things, uh, you know, but I-, I, I, I The parking things. Right? So that's exactly it. It's a, we're parking things in the green room. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, right? And it's like we have all of these metaphors and all of these images for the same concept, which is like the brain dump, right? Which is like, I don't want to lose this, but I also know that it's not a right now thing. And so what do I do with it? How do I keep it safe? Uh, And for me, I'm like, where can I park it? So I'm like, if this is not a today thing, I need to decide when I can revisit it. Exactly. I revisit it every once in a while. Is it still, you know, how does it feel? I do this expansion contraction test in my, it's part of what I teach is kind of learning your, learning your nervous system and what your, what your intuition is trying to tell you, you know, is it time? Eh, not right now. This, okay. This, I'm like kind of using your beautiful, unique nervous system to guide you. Right? Yeah. But then also realizing that once you've taken care of it, once you've kept it safe, it doesn't take up the same amount of space in your brain and it frees you up. Like in the middle of the night? (laughs) Like when you're driving and you can't do anything about it? The shower. Oh my goodness. Right? As soon all the ideas that happen in the shower, then the minute I get out of the shower, they're gone forever. Like, oh... And I love the idea that there's shower notes and like that you could actually keep track of shower thoughts. But I'm also just like, at some point, I have to stop keeping track. Like I, if for my own sanity, sometimes right. I have to let things go. <laughs> right, right. And I think you might be the one who, who um, introduced oh, did, me to were the we talking about that? And I, of course, that is something I didn't put in the green room. I don't know. I, or maybe I've heard you talk about it on, um, on the podcast. I'm like, that's brilliant. I know, right? And when I first discovered that those existed, I was like, oh, I need that. I need that for the shower. But then I was like, really? Like, maybe I should just wash my hair. Right. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't <laughs> always be brain dumping. Uh, but it's hard, right? Because it's like you want to hold on to those things. Because um. we have brilliant minds, Katie, right? We have so much brilliance that that moves through our minds like at, you know, lightning speed. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that that's hyperspeed. Right. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids six through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their GoHenry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. Again, that's GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food and my body, like all of this with a new lens. And it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates, so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womeninadhd.com coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. So now is this concept of the interesting and important that vision driven, is that similar to the fab framework, the focus align become, or is that a a separate concept? What is the fab concept? Because I love that. It is all part of it. So yeah, the the fab framework, which is kind of the framework that, um, that I, uh, they take clients through it kind of like all of the pieces of the work that I do all fit into the FAB framework. So the FAB framework is focus. Um, and that's where the interesting and important would fall under. So 
and focus means focusing on yourself, knowing yourself. Like there are so many ways to know yourself, but I like to start with, with core values, like really knowing who you are at your core. A quick story when, um, when my kids were born, I put family first, right? That was, that was it. That was my thing. I put family first. This is what you're supposed to do, right? And I was miserable. I, I went through my um, core values with my coach and discovered mine is um, mine is growth, personal growth. If I'm not growing, I feel dead inside, right? So for all of us, we're all different, right? But knowing who you are and focusing on that, like how can I bring more of that that's deep inside of me? How can I bring more of that into life? For one thing, we're, we're more joyful. It is important and interesting because it's what's important to us. And then the, um, and then, and then deciding what you want, right? Deciding, deciding what is really important and interesting, interesting to me in the next year, in the next three years. Five, 10 years is a little much for us with ADHD, I think. But, um, but, uh, but that's kind of the focus part. Aligning is aligning your, um, your thoughts and your energy, right? The way that you feel with, um, with who you're becoming. And that's the, the B is the becoming, that's the actual action, you know, like taking action. If I was this person, if I was this person who had the podcast, my podcast had been rolling around for maybe five years, a long time. It'd been rolling on around in my mind for about at least five years before I actually did it. Um, but you know, what, if I was this woman who had the podcast, what would I do? Oh, I would research podcasts. Oh, I, you know, like taking the steps. So Fab, the, uh, the F is focus. The A is aligning because the late, great, uh, Wayne Dyer, um, was known to say, you don't get what you want. You get who you are. So that means being who you are, who being who you are envisioning yourself to be now, because we don't get from A to Z. We don't get from this depressed woman to this woman who feels amazing and loves her life if that makes sense. There are steps in between, right? So we become every day. We align every day and we stay focused on what's in, in that whatever what's important and interesting, that can change. It should morph and change as long as we're growing, but we don't want to change it every day, <laughs> which is hard for those of us with the, the shiny objects, shiny object syndrome. Is that what it's called? Shiny objects? Shiny object syndrome. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I think isn't that what it's called? I don't know, something like that. The shot, you know, it's the squirrel. Oh, ooh, that looks great. Maybe I've heard of it. I don't know. I have terrible memory, of course. Uh, But um, I get you. (laughs) Okay, so now, how does that tie into getting in touch with your spiritual side? In terms of, because I know you've talked about your spiritual side helping you manage your ADHD. Is that all sort of coming back to the same idea? What is your what is spiritual? Yeah, for me, I mean, the knowing yourself, knowing what lights you up, it's kind of how spirit um, expresses through you. When you are feeling, you know, those little joyful moments that we can have through the day that we sometimes forget because we're so busy. I have chickens out in my backyard. Oh my God, the joy that I get from my chickens or petting my cat or hula hooping. I have a hula hoop. Um, Just little things that we can do bring us back to the essence of who we are. So I'm not talking that we don't have to go and sit and, you know, live in an ashram for six months or no, you know, we, we, it's little things that we can bring into our life every day. Now yoga, which I absolutely love, and I've tried all kinds of different modalities over the past 30 years. Um, but that is the, that's the most effective way that I have found to connect mind, body, and soul. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, and, and you can, you can connect with your, with your essence or your, your soul, that deepest part of you, whatever you want to call it, God, you know, whatever, whatever it is, is to you, but you can connect with that in a couple of different ways. And they can kind of seem very opposite, but they are the way that spirit speaks through you is through meditation when you're, when you're still and you can actually discern what is the small still voice and what's my ego, you know? So the more that you practice meditation, 
the easier it is to determine what, you know, what am I hearing? Am I hearing? Because the ego is very strong, right? And the other way is fun and joy. Like that when you feel lit up, that's your, you, you, you are, you are connected to your soul. You're connected to that spiritual part of you. So it doesn't have to be this, you know, oh, like we're sitting in, um, in, uh, you know, in meditation for 30 days, or like I said, going to the ashram. It, we don't have to go to India <laughs> to be, to be spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love all of the ways in which you've connected that to the spiritual element too, right? Yeah. And knowing yourself, right? Knowing your, knowing yourself, who you really are, what makes you tick, what's important to you, knowing your core, core values. That's knowing, you know, the more we know ourselves, the, the more we know, the better we do, right? The more we know ourselves, the more we know what, what is a yes for me and what's a no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also too, the more we can accept the fact that we are on the right path is really important too. And I I always feel like the wizard behind the curtain when I say stuff like that, where I'm like, you had the answer inside of you all along. But, you know, like, I think we can get lost in feeling this, feeling convinced that the answer is out there somewhere. And that it's at the end of the next self help book, or it's at the end of the next course or certification or whatever, you know, like, I feel like we are often chasing a sense of confidence and knowledge that is never, it's always going to elude us until we really turn inward in a way that, yeah, it doesn't have to be woo woo, but also realizing that like, we have all the tools we need. We were born with them. (laughs) We do. We have everything that we need. It's just, you know, we kind of become conditioned with our patterns, our patterns of thinking and our patterns of being that, that are, that we've learned from our well-meaning parents from society, Mm -hmm. right? And when we can, kind of reset when we can kind of, kind of peel back the layers. I worked with a woman one time and she said, Oh my gosh, like I didn't even know that all I had to do was like pull back the curtain. It's like, Oh, that's so beautiful. I love a visual. She's like, I pulled the breath back the curtain and there I was. <laughs> like, How lovely. It doesn't have to be that hard. Right. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that can be so wonderful about the diagnosis of ADHD is, is really being able to take the mask off as we often use the, you know, the masking metaphor is to take that mask off and be like, who am I behind this? And how can I live authentically and, and, you know, accept who I am and all of the wonderful, crazy chaos, (laughs) uh, in in a way that is, you know, without shame. And I think that's so important. Yeah. Um, now speaking of ADHD, what would you say you love most about your ADHD? I guess. No, I don't know about all of all of us women with ADHD, but I feel like we, we tend to feel our way through lives. And I think that's really cool. I love that I, I use my five senses to in my life, right? I love that I, um, that I'm intuitive. I love that I can walk into a room and feel energy. Now that I've learned how to separate what's my energy and what somebody else's, cause that was, oh, that was tough. Um, but the, there are parts of us that are really beautiful and can really support us in, in life, in, in this, in being, um, you know, I hope I'm not being too woo, but, um, but that we are, we are spiritual beings in a human form and we get to experience this, this life with all the senses. And when we, when we know our ADHD, when we know it well, we're better able to use that to our advantage. I guess one of the other things is sometimes I don't love the big emotions, but how beautiful that I am so, I can be so touched to cry, (laughs) you know, that the emotions are so big and beautiful that I've, that, that I'm, that I'm touched deeply in ways. Um, and I think the other thing is the creativity, you know, just, and, and I'm not necessarily necessarily an artist, not necessarily an artist or a, you know, I, I, one day I'd love to be a singer, but I don't sing so yet, (laughs) but, um, but we are really creative in, um, in, uh, accommodations, right. And uh, in making accommodations for ourselves in life. I guess those would be the three, the, the intuitiveness, the, um, the, uh, 
loving that I get to feel in big, beautiful ways and, uh, and creativity. Right. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting to me when you had talked about your values and your core values as being personal growth. And I think that that's, is creative, right? I mean, I think that is a creative project. And we often talk about like how, you know, I, I certainly often felt selfish that I was so fascinated by myself, <laughs> you know, where I was like, <laughs> it's fascinating though, Katie, isn't it? I am fascinating. The ADHD brain is fascinating. It is right. But just the psychology of relationships and talking about it endlessly and navel gazing, like all of that, I find so interesting. And, you know, I remember hearing a quote once that was like, there's no hobby that is more fascinating to me than myself. And I was like, oh, I related to that. But yeah, I think it is a form of creativity, right? It is, it is such a, you know, it's an exercise of the brain and the mind. And it is endlessly fascinating. And I love the fact that the one, you know, that you've sort of come full circle in terms of this criticism of you as being a chameleon has become one of your favorite things about yourself, which is that empathic side, the reading the room, right? That, that I always called it the vibe of being able to respond in a, in a very intentional, personal way with energy, you know, and I think being able to shift and be malleable in that way is such an important gift. And, and so I love the way that you've been able to reframe that for yourself. Thank you. It took a long time, right? <laughs> I, I will not lie. It, 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 uh, I, I, I had a, there was a lot of growth that had to happen before I was able to do that. But then, then the pandemic hit and we were all here and I was like, ah, you know, but then I had to come back to my own, to, to my own practices and my own, you know, my own work. Like mm. I got this. It's okay. I can handle this. Oh, I love that. Um, so if you could rename ADHD to something else, other, uh, I mean, you've already said it was uh, shiny object syndrome, which I kind of love, but <laughs> would you, do you have a name for it that you would call it if you could? Yeah, I was thinking about this last night and I would call it creative attentionality. And one, one thing that comes to mind is, are you familiar with the Holderness family? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they are, they're local. They, they, they live in my town. And, um, so they were on the amazing race in, I think it was 2020 and then they had to shut it down. And I don't know exactly the whole story. Anyway, Penn Holderness has ADHD and his ability to hyper-focus is what won them the amazing race. He used his creative attentionality. All right. <laughs> right? Yeah. I love that. And I, I like to think that in my own life, there are different things, different adaptations that I've made in my life to help me to stay focused. Like I, um, I, if I put a pot of water to boil on the stove, I set a timer for five minutes so I don't burn the house down. Like that's <laughs> creative intentionality, right? I'm setting the timer so that I am aware that I have, cause I will, I can easily walk out. I mean, I, I did this when my kids were little, when I was making baby food, Three times I burnt, uh, we had to evacuate the house because I burnt pots. So anyway, I just think that we are, when we really know ourselves, Katie, when we really know ourselves and how our ADHD presents and, and what it looks like for us, then we're able to use it in creative ways. I love that. I saw, a, I think it was a TikTok video once that said, the real ADHD test is not how often you lose your keys, but how elaborate you, the system is that you have to not lose your keys. <laughs> Got, it. I know, me too. Got it. I know, me too. I'm like, I usually do not lose my stuff because I've got such... A rigid system I, right? for myself, I know. I'm right? Like, every one of us is like, I've got a system for that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, how beautiful is that? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Tracy. This has been lovely. I really enjoyed talking with you, and I do. I feel very connected to you um, in our in our journeys. So, where can people find more of you? I know the. Um, I'll have a link to the podcast, but what about working with you? And yeah, where can we find more of you? Yes, absolutely. I'm at Vision Driven Mom on Instagram. Uh, Vision Driven Mom with ADHD.com is my website. I'm on Vision, Vision Driven Mom with ADHD uh, Facebook. And um, yes, please reach out, say hello, say, tell me, let me know that you, that you heard this interview and uh, any takeaways. That would be fantastic. 
but yeah, the podcast, the podcast is my, is my, uh, a labor of love. I absolutely, it's been amazing. I get to meet the most brilliant women on the planet like you, Katie. I mean, it's been, it's been amazing. So, um, so have a listen, come over and say hi. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you work one-on-one or with groups or what are some of the coaching? I I'm actually, by the time this airs, I will have done, um, I do this every year. It's called the ADHD, ADHD, uh, reset. It wasn't ADHD before, like I said, (laughs) all moms (laughs) who were like, what are you talking about? But, uh, it's, it's kind of like, um, like mental decluttering and moving forward envisioning. Um, but I do work in groups and I do work one-on-one if it's absolutely the right fit. But you can come to my website and you can, I've got, uh, I've got a, oh, the ADHD supports is a freebie that is really supportive for, um, for women with ADHD on the journey and kind of the different ways, different, different categories of um, putting your support system in place. And it's not just people, there are other things that you can do as well, but you can find all of that on the website and uh, on my link tree as well in Instagram. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. It's been a real pleasure uh, getting to know a little bit more about your story. And I love your philosophy. So thank you for sharing. Thank you, Katie. It's been a pleasure. And I just, I look forward to more. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com slash coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.